Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, welcome to Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We welcome you if you're watching on streaming video from somewhere in this world, in Boise, Idaho, in the surrounding area, or in the state of Utah. We're glad you're here in this new show, 2007. We want to welcome our in-house guests. And we have Evan, Doug, Robert, and we have Alex, Laura, and Jamie all come and uh, all came to watch. We're grateful for their spirit that they're here today. Now, um, I want to tell you something. I got an email from someone saying, will you meet me for dinner in, in Huntington Beach, California? And so I went there and I met a young couple with my, my wife. And this young couple, who I'm going to call R and C, uh, told me that they happened to come upon the show in the summer and after the first show, it made them so angry that they went out for a walk and were just, just inflamed at me and angry at me and, and almost hated me. And, uh, but they couldn't help but continue to watch. And so they kept watching. And uh, now they are coming to know the Lord, praise God, as Latter-day Saints. What they do thereafter, we'll wait and see. But I want to uh, give a shout out to them. Uh, R and C, and it was great to meet you, and I pray uh, that God will continue to lead you as you search for Him. Um, what else? The prisoners anywhere here in the state or in the world, people who are behind bars, we give a shout out to you this first part of the year. We pray God speed with you as you study His Word and pray. Um, our friends and supporters, very grateful for your prayers and everything you've done to help the show continue on into another year. We have a new show coming up. In two weeks, I'll, give, I'll announce it next week, but in two weeks we're going to do another show, and it is called The Infallible Word. And it's going to be a half-hour study of the Scriptures. We're going to start with the book of John. It's just going to be me and the camera and you and your, and your Bibles, and we'll just go through uh, however long it takes us to get through the entire Word, uh, the Bible, verse by verse, exegetically, uh, with good hermeneutics and all those big words that we can use about understanding the Bible as it should be in its context. So look for that. It's going to be on Monday evenings at 9.30 and Friday evenings at 8.30, and I'll give you the dates next week. All right, let's begin with a prayer. Dear Lord, I uh, need you greatly always uh, to help me uh, say the things you want me to say. Uh, we pray for the viewers. We pray for our audience members, we pray for the people who are operating cameras, answering phones, doing the technical stuff. Grateful for the supporters. We pray that you will cause a fire to start in this state and other places, that people will come to know you through spiritual rebirth and give their lives to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, because this is the first show of the year, I'm going to start off with kind of a quick history. Some of you who have watched the show know this, and let's go and uh, go from there. Perhaps um, you want to know who the heck I am. I was born in the covenant. That means I was born into a family where my parents were sealed in the temple, the LA temple. Um, I have uh, two brothers and three sisters. I was raised in the church. Uh, I served a full-time mission to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania with the Amish. I came back and was sealed for time and all eternity in the LA temple. Um, I was uh, or am the father of three daughters. I served as a seminary teacher and as a Sunday school teacher, elders quorum president, bishopric member, stake high council for four years, understand LDS doctrine fairly well, um, and it was active in the church up until 2001. And then the next big question is, well, what happened? 
And what happened was I always knew that I was a sinner. If not in my mind and in my heart, I knew I was a sinner with my hands. I one way or another knew I was a sinner when I stood before God, the God I read about in the Bible. And I couldn't reconcile myself knowing that I had sin in me with this almighty God and with what Mormonism presented as truth. And so it always kept me searching for truth. I just met a young man, Alex, who is a, a seeker of truth. And I too was a seeker for truth. And I wasn't going to take uh, anything but absolute truth for an answer. And so it led me on a search for about 17 years. And... Um, and finally, I came to know Jesus at the side of the road in an unbelievable metaphysical change of my life. I was born again, long story short. And um, besides it being a miraculous event, I recognized something about the experience. That it was not talked about, it was not taught, and in my experience, it was rarely experienced in the LDS church. And so then I knew something was wrong. Because this metaphysical experience changed me so greatly, and I knew when I talked to other people who had had it, that it had changed their lives greatly, but I wasn't seeing it in Mormonism. And so I knew something was wrong there. And I stayed in the LDS church for another four years, actively participating, but knowing Jesus personally through spiritual rebirth. I was given new life. Um, God had a, a place in my life as never before, and I knew that... Um, I, if I died, I would live with him again. I had this certainty that didn't come with religion. In 2001, I asked to be excommunicated from the church. People asked me, why did you ask to be excommunicated? One, I had cut my teeth on Mormonism. That is what I've been taught my whole life. And it took a long time for all that stuff that I had been inculcated with. So I thought that I had to go before somebody and confess my sins, which I did. It also gave me an opportunity to talk about the things that I knew were not correct relative to the Bible and Mormonism with this high council. I asked to be excommunicated, and I was. So um, in 2002, I wrote a book, and it's called Born Again Mormon, Moving Toward Christian Authenticity. And uh, then we established a website. That book is available online, www.bornagainmormon.com if you want it. If you can't afford it or can't use PayPal, you can email us and we'll send you the book for free. Um, that is no problem. It's not to make money. It's to help you understand the difference between uh, classic Christianity, biblical Christianity, and Mormonism in a nice way. Sometimes on the show, I'm a little bit more argumentative and will fight with people and bring up things I don't. But the book does not really cover those things at all. It just talks about Jesus and why he needs to be the center of your life and not religion. If you don't want to go online and do it, you can go to Benchmark Books at 3269 South Main, Suite 250. A great place. A lot of LDS books there. Uh, the owners of Benchmarks are friends of mine. I love those guys. They're LDS, but they'll sell you the book. You can also go to Christian Gift and Bible at 33 East Fort Union Boulevard in Midvale, Utah, and you can pick the book up there. All right, in 2004, I started an internet uh, website ministry. We got about 5,000 hits a month. Now we get an average of about 10,000 hits a day uh, on the site, and it's uh, the emails and everything else has really taken off. And then in 2004, I entered Calvary Chapel School of Ministry for a two-year uh, Bible uh, uh, MS degree, and uh, I graduated from that. And then I started uh, doing this show in March of 2006, and... Um, here in Salt Lake City. 
People ask, why do you do this show? The primary purpose of this show is to introduce Latter-day Saints and any other viewers to the importance and the miracle of spiritual rebirth through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the primary purpose. It is to introduce Mormonism to the biblical Jesus, and it is to compare and contrast biblical Christianity with present-day Mormonism. Now, one thing we see on our show often, which gets a lot of heat from people, is I don't care if you stay Mormon or not. I don't care uh, anything about that, really, uh, when it comes to what our ministry is. What I care about is that you experience spiritual rebirth through Jesus Christ, because I know it's a reality. When you do, he will lead you as to what you're to do with your uh, religious relationship with him. I'm not going to make that judgment, but just give Jesus a chance, and that's the purpose of the show. People ask, why have you chosen to pick on Mormonism? Let me give you a few reasons. First, I believe the Lord wants me to. He put it on my heart. He prepared me uh, in ways to understand things about Mormonism, and so I try to follow him the best I can. Fail quite often. Uh, second, I have a heart for the LDS, my family, extended family. Uh, everybody is still LDS. I know Mormonism, um, and uh, I know that they don't understand spiritual rebirth. I also know that in Mormonism, uh, there is very little room for the fallouts of society. There is very little room in Mormonism for people who have habits of the flesh, people who smoke, people who drink coffee, people who drink tea, people who dress differently, people who are artists, intellectuals, uh, prisoners, ex-cons. Uh, all the people, the fallouts of society very, have a very small place in Mormonism, and uh, I think that that's a, an ecclesiastical crime. And uh, so if you don't conform, you'll be cast out. And I think there should be a place for cast out Mormons, especially in this state, when I think the average figure is about 600,000 people who have nothing. Uh, so that's another reason. Third, I've come to know the Bible, what it represents, and it represents a very different gospel from what the LDS claim is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Mormonism stops claiming to be Christian door to door to people, I'll stop doing a show about why they're not. So we can just leave it uh, at that. What do you hope to achieve? I have three goals. I have a constant motive, a per persistent objective, and a long-term dream or goal. The constant motive is to help bring people to the Lord via spiritual rebirth. The persistent objective is to strengthen the body of Christ. And the long-term dream is to see Mormonism become part of the body of Christ after it has gotten rid of all of its uh, unique doctrines relative to Christianity. All right, we're going to spend the next 52 weeks <clears throat> of 2007 in a study of LDS history, uh, what I call unheard Mormonism. Uh, why, people ask, why are you going to spend time regurgitating the unspoken past of Mormonism when it is behind us, when we don't even look at that stuff anymore? We don't practice polygamy anymore. We don't look at blood atonement. We don't do these things. Why are you going to focus on that? Well, let's take a minute this evening before we open up the phone lines and discuss why the LDS past is vital for a Latter-day Saint who seeks truth. All right? And I'll do this by presenting a series of what I think are facts in this area. Fact number one, knowing history leads to understanding present-day LDS practices and doctrines. Knowing the LDS history will help you understand why the Mormons believe what they believe today. Uh, respected scholars in different fields almost always have a knowledge of the history of the field they study. It's beneficial to the things that they're studying. So if you have a rocket scientist, they probably are very well aware of 
rocket science history as it helps them formulate new ideas and, and solve problems with jet propulsion today. A physician, someone who cures cancer, would do well in knowing the history of how to uh, treat cancer because sometimes the history shows insights into what they're doing and helps them in the profession that they're doing currently. Ignoring the history in any field or practice or movement is an obvious handicap to true understanding of it. If you come in and you just say, I'm taking it as it is right now, I want to know nothing of its past at all, you have a very handicapped view of the thing that you belong to. And it's dangerous, in, 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 I believe. If you want to understand Islam and the Quran, it would be wise for you to study Muhammad and how he came about with the Quran in the cave and how he received his revelations and visions. And you'll understand more about the Quran and, and uh, Islam if you go about it that way. So it's extremely important to understand the motive behind the religion uh, and that will help warn you about what to look for as you're in it today. All right, fact number two. Squarely facing the factual history of a matter is a sign of mature thinking, which leads to mature faith. Um, ignoring or denying or refusing to look at historical facts is immature thinking, and it leads to bad faith. And bad faith is not faith at all. And there's some great writers who talk about bad faith. I won't go into them now, but remember, facing the facts um, about somebody that is difficult or painful is not the problem, is not the issue. Facing the facts about, uh, just the facts about something is not the problem. What is difficult is facing the difficult, critical facts about people or things that we love, okay? We like to hear the negatives and the criticisms about people we're indifferent to or the people that we uh, don't like. But facing the facts about something that we love and something that we care about, that's more important, really. That's when you really want to know the facts. Like, for instance, with my daughters, I want to know the facts as harsh as they are about their lives. I want them to tell me point blank when they are out there on the town doing Lord knows what, and, and I would rather have those facts, as painful it is, so that we can then deal with the situation rather than be blind and just, just say, I, I love you so much, just don't tell me anything bad. It's just a horrible place to be in. When I was uh, teaching seminary in Huntington Beach, California, there was a young man who wasn't in my class, but all the kids, very reputable sources, told me that he was really partying big. He was going to a lot of uh, beach parties and drinking up big time. Well, his dad was in a bishopric. And I had to make the decision, well, should I tell this dad? And so I thought, well, I would want someone to tell me if my daughter was out partying it up. So I said, I'm going to tell him. So I took him aside after church one day. And I said, I just want you to know that, that your son is drinking big time. He, his face grew red. He said, you're crazy. You are nuts. I know my son. He's poking. I know my son like no other. He wouldn't do that. You don't know him. You're I said, look, I'm not... It's not a rumor, it's kind of a rumor, but it's really strong and it's coming from every kid and I just thought you'd want to know. I have to admit the guy had uh, some spine because he came back to me about two weeks later and he pulled me aside and he said, I want you to know you were right. And he said, uh, my wife is really appreciative that you brought it to our attention because I confronted it, confronted him and then he broke down and said he was and now we know and so we can work with it. And he said, I'm sorry the way I reacted. And I think that's a normal reaction. We don't like to hear bad news. But the point was, is he just didn't want to hear about the thing he loved. He didn't want to hear it. And so we put these walls up because, man, that truth is painful. And that's what we do. We just put them up. So 
In order to address a problem, we have to be willing to hear the facts about it first. Faith is not honored in a state of self-induced ignorance. Faith is honored when God's will is obeyed in spite of the ugly facts. So you take God's will, you look at the facts about a situation, and then you go to him, and when you honor, then you're, then you're in good standing. That's good faith. Bad faith is just pretending or not wanting to know anything and going forward. All right? The facts must be known. Do you know what it's called when you only get one side of an argument? When someone only gives you one half of history, one side of it, the positive side or the negative side? It's called propaganda. And, and propaganda will never lead to good faith. Propaganda leads to a warped sense of, of a relationship with God. You have to be able to hear the good and bad about the Bible. If you're a Christian and someone comes up and says, I want to tell you something about the Bible, and you freak out, no, 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 listen to them. You can go and test it, and the Bible always has shown itself to be really strong and faithful and true in its word. And every time someone gives me a criticism, I either learn from it, and I also learn how strong the Bible is. If you're LDS, you should listen to your facts. That way you can either get stronger or see what you're dealing with. Propaganda, not right. Most organized religions have some very ugly skeletons in their closet. I'm not being offensive here. Catholicism is just horrific. It's horrific in their uh, history. Um, the, the body of Christ, uh, and when I say that, I mean the Christian movement is sick. Church history stinks. If you read back through and you look at the later early church fathers and then the late church fathers and the things they did, it just stinks. You just have to say that. And anybody who says, no, it was all clean and pure, is just not dealing with the facts. But if you want to know what good Christianity was, what the early church was like, read Acts chapter 2. And Acts chapter 2 will show you how the church was originally set up. One of the greatest beauties of the church, though, is that it got through all that ugliness. Jesus said, hey, you're not going to take them out of my hand. I will establish my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And it hasn't. Through all that ugliness, his church, his body of believers have continued forward to this day. Mormonism has a horribly difficult past. And we're going to cover that in the next 52 weeks to explain some of that. But spinning it, uh, the LDS history has been epidemic. It's, it's almost humorous when you see the spin that goes on. They are as, as good of spinners as the political people out in Washington, D.C. They take something and they just twist it. What, you know, what is your definition of is is really what's going on here. It's amazing. So we want to lay out the facts for you. And you can come back and try to challenge like you have on the doctrines that we did last year. And then you can say, that's not true, that's not true, or we don't believe this. And I'll have your references for you, and we'll post them on the internet, and we can go like that again. Kind of in line with this, which is really exciting, is next week on January 9th on this show, we're going to have someone who has really, for the most part, probably better than any other person on earth, represented LDS facts well. Uh, Sandra Tanner will be on the show next week. We're going to uh, have a full hour of interview and call in for you to call in and talk to Sandra. If you have a question about church history, uh, that would be the time to talk to her. I am not a church history expert. I'm not an expert on anything, but she will be here. And it's going to be a great way to kick off this season in church history. So if you have some questions you've always wondered about, Sandra Tanner will be here uh, to answer those. So that's going to be a great thing. Fact number three. The last fact, and then we're going to go to the phones at uh, 801-973-8820. 
801-973-TV20. If you have a question or comment about church history or any other question about doctrine, Mormonism, Christianity, knowing the Lord, please call. Fact number three. Knowing the history of something leads to a better relationship, an allegiance, a confidence in that thing that is known. The more you know about it, the more you know what you're dealing with. Not knowing the history creates suspicion. Not knowing the history creates wonderment. It, it is actually the antithesis to faith. When you don't know the history, you'll wonder when you hear about it. And you'll think, and then your faith will shake a little bit. And then you'll just put yourself in the blind closet if you don't want that, that faith to be shaken. Imagine for a minute that uh, you're going to buy a, um, a high-rise in a, in a popular city. And it's a, it's a hotel. It's a motel. It's an apartment high-rise, all right? It's 50 stories tall, and it's 100 years old. And it's beautiful. It's ornate. And you're thinking of investing in that property. And so you go, and you talk to the owners, and they say, uh, yeah, this and that. And you, they really build it up. And you say, well, let me have the ledgers for it, and let me look at the, the history, and let me see about its materials and its start and everything else. And they say it was all destroyed in a fire. We don't have any history on the building whatsoever. But it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful building, you know. You can trust us with that. Why, this building has stood for a hundred years and not one single thing has ever shook its solid foundation. Or they say, you know, this is housed people of our fine city and you can trust it completely, it's good. And they give you all kinds of uh, hyperbolic accolades about how strong this, this building is. And so you think, well, okay, I'll, I'll invest in it. And you buy this building. And you love it so much, it's so beautiful that you move your family into it. And you move into the top floor. And as you're going about town doing your business and living your life, as months go by, you start to hear rumors about the building. You hear that, hey, it was built on an Indian graveyard. And you hear that there's a faulty foundation, that its foundation has never been sound, and there's settling going on, and there's shifting going on. And then you also hear that there's a faulty concrete or the steel beam, the girders, are not made of the best quality steel. Now you have a choice there. You can listen to those rumors and then follow them up by seeking out the information for yourself, investigating, or you can totally turn a blind eye to those things and continue to live in that place and, and trust that what those men told you about it was true. It's all a matter of choice. The LDS church has the same situation. When Mormonism says Joseph Smith restored the true gospel of Jesus Christ to this earth, as a living prophet, a member of the church has a decision to make. They can say, if the church says this happened, I believe it, I won't question it, I don't need to look at it, and go from there. Or they can say, okay, that's what you say, let me look into what happened during that history, and let me examine that for myself to see if it's safe for my family to be housed in this religion uh, from this point forward. The second thing that you'd have to do if you choose to investigate it is you have to read. And now you have to ask yourself, well, what do I read? And this is the million-dollar question when it comes to church history. What do I trust? What should I read? I can tell you this. This sounds harsh. You cannot trust what they are teaching you in Sunday school and priesthood of the LDS Church of the History. That is, if I can say that on TV to you, if I, I heard your feelings, I'm sorry, but if I can say that with all confidence, you have to ask yourself, why is that? What is the reason I can't trust what they teach me in Sunday school and priesthood meeting? What do they want to do? They want to hide something. 
Why would they want to hide something? Because something must be off. And then if you know something's off, what might be your reaction? Okay, so you have to look at what the, is, are their arguments and their presentations single-sided. Now we have a thing called anti-Mormon literature. And that's tough to define because if you ask a non-Mormon what anti-Mormon literature is, they would probably say it's something that, that threatens the lives of Mormons or, or, uh, or makes things up about Mormons. But if you ask a Mormon what anti-Mormon literature is, it's anything at all that says Mormonism has a problem. So you have two polarized views of what information you're getting. There is a lot of very good and reliable information out there in which I'm gonna pull from as we compile this history and present it to you over the next 52 weeks. And they come from uh, sources that have all the footnotes and have all the references and we can look where they came from. And if it's conjecture, I'll bring this out, this is conjecture, but it looks probable because of these circumstances. And if it's not, whatever. But that's how we're going to approach this. And if you want to get your references, Keep watching the show, and we'll, we'll take them from there. When I served a mission in, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, they had a saying, it, don't buy a pig in a poke. And what that means is don't ever buy a pig in a gunny sack that's tied. Always make sure you buy the pig when you take it out and you look at it before you buy into it. If you are a person, and before you've joined the LDS Church, and you investigate all this, and you look at all the doctrine, and you really search it out, and then you decide to join... Have at it, man. Go for it. It's all your thing. You do it. But give yourself at least the chance to see this stuff before you make that commitment. And uh, you'll probably save yourself a lot of time and heartache. All right. Um, let's see. All right. I think we're going to go to the phones. We have Jason, first-time caller in uh, Boise, Idaho. Jason, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks. Listen, I uh, I know you guys are a couple shows late, but I just wanted to give a shout a shout out to Boise State for that miraculous. I saw a lot of guys praying before the before the game, and nobody got hurt. Listen, I had a question for you. Okay. Um, <clears> that <throat> obviously first time caller. I haven't been watching too long, but I was a buddy of mine, or a couple friends of mine, acquaintances rather. They're LDS, if you will, yeah. and I was looking at one of their books one time that, you know, it's got the three built into it, none of the, everything that's not the Bible, you know, and uh, they have, the, it's, I think it's in the Pearl of Great Price, right, and they have these pictures, like hieroglyphs or something, I was just wondering if you knew anything about the background of those, what oh, yeah. about yeah, that's facsimile one or facsimile two, they used to, I think they still include it in the Pearl of Great Price, and uh, most Egyptologists who have looked at those facsimiles have confirmed that, one, they were altered. Um, and if you, there's other pieces to those facsimiles that you can see the whole picture of what was presented. And most Egyptologists will say, one, the facsimile was altered. Two, the facsimile represents um, some writings from uh, an ancient text called the Book of Breathings. And what those are are... Um, simply funerary texts that they would read at the funeral of an Egyptian person. And when they look at those things, they say they have absolutely nothing to do with uh, the book of Abraham. So, uh, yeah, those things are in there. It's kind of funny how they do that. You know, the Book of Mormons used to come with um, these hieroglyphics on the outside in gold. 
and they were all written, and it looked like, you know, they give these Mormon, Book of Mormons out, and they stopped doing that for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I, mean. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned the Book of Abraham. Is that, do you think that's, I mean, that doesn't seem like a, a real book to me. I yeah, it, it's not a real book. Well, it's a real book, <laughs> well, but it's... Right, right, but I mean... Yeah, Joseph Smith, uh, he really had a, a fantastic imagination, and he got a hold of these uh, scrolls, and he came up and he said, yep, that, uh, that's what that's they came from. Thought. I mean, they, they threw the name Abraham in there. It sounds legit, you know, but it's like, yeah. mm, it didn't make it into the Bible, so. <laughs> yeah, we'll be covering uh, the book of Abraham, its origins, how it was transcribed, exactly what happened probably about the 23rd or 26th week of the, of the show. Wow, and I hope maybe you can touch on a little bit of that as far as what they think about those, I mean, some kind of great planets and this and that and the other. I mean, I was, I was looking at the subscripts of the what mean, they interpreted, the, you know, the things to believe in. It was you just, mean Kolob and Kokobau? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that rings a bell. Yeah. I, I, I always say, I said this on the show before, I love how Joseph, when he came up with a really outlandish idea, he came up with these great names, you know. Why didn't he call the, the, the planet next to God Cleveland or something? He calls them Kolob and Kokolau. And, uh, it's great. <laughs> it was kind of a, that, uh, the angel Moroni. I mean, is that, it's so close to the word moron. No. <laughs> he didn't mean that, dude. Play on words, perhaps? I don't know. <laughs> hey, thanks for calling. And I don't know anything about sports, uh, but I'm sure the Boise thing was a great game. It was. It was really great. Thanks for calling. Thanks, John. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Joe. First time caller, uh, line four. Joe. You got to turn your TV off, Joe. Hi, I'm not a LDS, but uh, if I wanted to go attend my brother's Joe? wedding at the temple, Joe. Uh, okay. Joe, you got to turn that TV off. You because our our uh, okay. yeah, uh, is it off? Okay, go to the other room. Uh, and listen, callers, make sure you turn those off because our audio people can't can't hear. Joe, what happens is you can't uh, go into most LDS weddings unless you're a temple recommend holder. And what I mean by weddings are ceilings in the temple. Uh, yeah, the, a, a temple wedding. Yes, the temple ceilings. You can't go oh, in there okay, unless yeah. you're not a worthy member. And that means you have to get a recommend. And in that recommend, there's like 12 questions. And they ask you all about your worthiness uh, relative to how you treat your family, to obeying their word of wisdom, to being uh, uh, morally uh, right with your wife or your husband and uh, to paying alimony if you're divorced, to paying tithing, uh, all these things, Sabbath day observances, all these things are listed there. And if you pass, then you're allowed to get a recommend and then you could go to those and witness those weddings. So the reason that you can't go in is one, you're not a member, and two, you're not worthy. <laughs> How do you like that? I'll, I'll admit to maybe not being worthy, you know. <laughs> well, uh, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm out here and, uh, I'm a sinner, but uh, hey, you know, I should be able to attend a wedding. A sinner saved by grace, right? Uh, yeah, there you got it. Amen. All right, well, thanks for calling, Joe. Okay, uh, did you answer my question? Yeah, you said. I tried. All, all these things that you said, I, I heard them, but why, why, all the, why all of that, you know, before I can attend a wedding? 
Well, they just set it up. You know, the weddings are very important to people and their children. And of course so, they're important. Yeah, so it's going to make family want to uh, strive to reach those goals so that they can... Okay, the answer that I've heard before that it's, you know, these weddings are not a secret, they're sacred. Yeah. And that's about the only answer I've ever, I've ever been able to get out of them, you know. Yeah, that's their answer, and that's what they say about it, and um, we just go with it from there. Okay, thank you, John. All right, you take care. But uh, I'm still happy with it. I don't blame you. You take care now. Thank you, boy. Bye-bye. We're going to Chuck on line three from Layton. Chuck, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. I had two questions. Yeah. Okay, you were talking about turning a blind eye, and you were talking about your family. Uh, what are you going through with them? Are they at least willing to watch your show? Oh, uh, that's a good, well, let me explain this. My wife is a Christian. She still attends the LDS Church. She's a born-again Christian. My children are deciding what they're going to do. But as far as my extended family, my parents watch the show. My brothers and sisters do not. My brother, uh, who was very, and I were very close together, uh, he has nothing to do with it or me, really. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, I have the same thing. I'm the only saved one in my family. Keep going. You keep planting those seeds. Right. That's what I do. I just pick my spots and do what I can. Good job, Chuck. Yeah. My second question is, according to uh, Mormon theology, where will Saddam Hussein spend eternity? Well, according to Mormon theology, it's probably going to be in the uh, telestial kingdom. You know, he'll spend a time in hell until he's uh, paid for his crimes, and then he'll be moved to a glory, which would be the lowest kingdom where liars, uh, thieves, adulterers, murderers go. Um, but it is a glory and uh, a great place. So how just do you think that is? Uh, yeah, not, <clears throat> not just, but what it plays into is the, uh, the total universalist view that Joseph and his father shared of uh, how people are saved. They were universalists, and they believe that uh, everybody will ultimately be saved. And so Joseph, as he grew up and he came and formulated more and more doctrines, he brought that universalist attitude into uh, the religion. And so now they essentially have it. And the church is still... Uh, adhering to that? Yeah, they adhere to it strongly, and actually it is very tempting. It's a very tempting uh, theology because if you believe that your child who's a murderer is going to go to a kingdom, uh, that's very comforting rather than believing they're going to hell. And so, uh, you know, they've really soft-sold hell completely. They've right. taken hell out of the picture and uh, regurgitated it and gave everybody a heaven, a glory, instead of a, a, a dark place if they don't believe. so That sort of makes uh, Christianity a tougher sell for the dedicated Mormon, doesn't it? It really makes Christianity a tougher sell. Yeah. Mormonism has some very uh, palatable answers to uh, the natural man. I mean, if you want intellectualism, sit down with Mormonism, go through it, and you can intellectually satisfy you greatly. But we know that the natural man is an enemy to God, and God's ways are not our ways, and we know that, uh, that they've just taken it and made it pleasing. I mean, you could right now on this telephone call come up with a pleasing doctrine. I believe that anybody who has ever uh, had fingernails will receive a thousand pounds of gold when they die. I mean, you could come up with anything to make it a pleasing and appealing, and that would take the word of God and make it look less. It's, but it's, it's uh, opposite of faith. And we have to trust in His Word and Him that He is going to lead us and not these appealing doctrines that are so make our ears itch and make us all happy, but they just aren't true. Right. Okay, well, thank you. Hey, thanks for the call. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay.
We're going to Daniel line two from Logan. Daniel, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. I'm an excommunicated uh, born-again Mormon. I, uh, I had a similar experience somewhat as you did. I was raised in the church, but after divorce, my, uh, my mother went inactive. But, but after about age 19, I, I, I wanted to change my, my sinful ways, and I, and I turned to the Lord, and I also had you know, a, like a supernatural experience where I really felt the power of, of Christ in my life. And, and uh, honestly, I asked him, what should I do what, now? Should I go to uh, a, a, you know, a church? Should I be of service? And in all sincerity, I felt like he communicated to me, stay in the church you're in. Later, later what I did is I, uh, I went on a mission, I came back, I got sealed in the temple, etc. But then when I started talking with the church leaders about the fact that they had pushed Jesus Christ uh, aside, and that, that it was the leaders that were important, and everything became orthodox and very corporate, I was excommunicated. Wow. Uh, but I felt like the Lord kind of led me in a different direction, and there may be a lot of LDS people or ex-LDS people out there in the same position that I'm in. He directed me to, uh, to uh, a communication of, the, of Section 85 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse 7, that said, says, and it shall come to pass that I, the Lord, will send one mighty and strong to set in order the house of God. Now, Did you think that you were the mighty and strong one? No, no, of course not. No, no, no. What I'm saying is that, that there are many people like me who have found Christ, and I, even I have been ex excommunicated, yet he, in, in, there, in, the, in the scriptures he says, yes, it's polluted, yes, the vessel is, is unclean, but, but it's still his, and he's going to send one mighty and strong, a one mighty and strong, not me. No, of course not. Someone to set it in order, and, and, and I'm just saying amen to what you said if you were sincere last week and this week. You said, last week you said, I'm not trying to tell Mormons to pack up and leave the church, but to really find Jesus Christ in their life. And, yeah. and you said today, I don't care if you stay within the church or not. And I appreciate that because the real message is Jesus Christ. The real message is find Jesus Christ and get a relationship with him, and then listen to what he wants you to do. Doug. Doing is a great thing. Doug. But, but this is what he is, what he's communicating. Okay. A couple finished. questions, Doug. Are you still are you, are you back in the LDS Church? Uh, no. Okay. So what have you done with your uh, your uh, rebirth since? Uh, everything that I can. I tried to live. It's like people ask me, "What what is your religion?" My religion's within me. Okay. You don't fellowship I, anywhere. About what the Spirit of the Lord guides me to do. It's about but, service. It's Doug. about loving. It's about caring. It's about uh, you know. It ha you know, when I first found Doug. Christ, Doug. I, I, go ahead. <laughs> hey, that was pretty good. Hey, Doug, uh, I know you. I know you're passionate. I can, I can hear it in your voice. You're passionate, but you don't fellowship anywhere where you can learn the word. Yes, all over at work, at play. No, it, you know what I mean, Doug. Do you go to church? No, I don't. Okay, all right. Listen, couple things. Uh, just for the audience's sake. The great and mighty one in Doctrine and Covenants section 84 refers to, it's kind of taken out of context, but out of context, there are many people who believe that there's going to be a great and mighty person who's going to come back and bring the power of the church back to where it was and started. And a lot of the polygamous, polygamous movements, their leaders have believed that they were the great and mighty one. And uh, even the Lafferty brothers who are in the uh, penitentiary now for murder believe they were the mighty one, the great and mighty one. Right. 
So uh, that's what he's referring to. The, the reason, Doug, I say that I don't care if you stay in the LDS church or not, or if whatever you do, <clears throat> is because I want to remove that argument off the table when I'm having a discussion with Latter-day Saints. I don't want to argue about what they need to do right now with their membership in the church because the membership in the church is so tied into their everyday life that it becomes overwhelming to many of them. I just want to talk about the Lord, and that's my ministry, okay? If the Lord led you to stay LDS after you were born again, I'm not going to question that. I'm not going to debate it with you. But I will talk about doctrines, and if you've embraced the LDS doctrine still um, since you've been reborn, but this is not the place to do it. But I appreciate your call. You've made many people think, and that helps explain why I approach that, that subject the way we do. Uh, email me, and we can talk further. Thank you, Sean. All right, Doug. Take care. Bye-bye. We're going to Mike, first-time caller in Holiday. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, hey, Sean. Yes. Um, I was wondering, since you're doing church history this year, uh, are you, have you looked into the Community of Christ, the former RLDS church? A little bit. I spoke on a few panels with a couple of guys who were really high up there. But uh, why? Tell me. Should I look at their if research? I'm wondering them to be more in keeping with Christianity as you understand it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad of what they've done. I think they still embrace the Book of Mormon, though. Uh, yeah, to a minor degree, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of experiences with them. I'm LDS myself, but I uh-huh. uh, know a lot of uh, Community of Christ, and I'm just really impressed by what they've got going. Yeah, I, did too. I am too. Uh, I do have uh, some uh, side issues that have to, are a little bit more secular, but uh, I have talked to them, and I do like the progress they've made from uh, their earlier beliefs, but um, I, I'm, I'm looking more to the uh, LDS here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, I thought they were probably a good example of, you know, they, they've got the same history up to, you know, 1844, yeah. 1845, and yet they've been able to sort of face up to some of the darker aspects of it, just say, you know, look, this was wrong, this was a mistake, yeah. and move forward, uh, in, in, you know, rather than sort of, you know, trying to rewrite the history. Right. You know what, uh, Mike, they, uh, you know what the LDS say if you make a suggestion like that? Oh, invite you out, usually. Yeah. And look what's, look what's happened to the FLDS, you know? Look what's happened to them. Yeah. They've shrunk from nothing. They're struggling to hang on. Right, right. You know? In fact, and, I've, I've heard that, yeah. you know, where they've attacked the community of Christ and said, well, they don't have 12 million members. And right. I don't buy that. I, I mean, when I'm with them, I feel definitely, you know, I, I feel close to Christ, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with them, actually. Awesome. Yeah, hey. uh, the other thing I was going to mention, it was brought up earlier about the fate of Saddam Hussein. Now, if you watch South Park at all, you would know that, that Saddam Hussein is the only non-Mormon in a Mormon heaven where he's punished <laughs> for eternity. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Mike. All right. Hey, take care, Sean. Okay, you too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, we are going to Tavita from West Valley. Tavita, you are on Heart of the Matter. Tavita, are you there? Yes, Sean. How are you doing? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Um, um, can you hear me? I can. Yeah, okay. I'm just saying that uh, it's very, um, very impressive. It's very amazing how you, uh, it takes a lot of cuts to get on TV and, and talk about other religion and stuff. Um, or stupidity. Oh, sorry to be, keep going. I have just one question. If the Mormon is really, uh, false doctrines are really wrong church and who else out there is the right church then that's a it's a good question for are you lds tavita yes uh, as a matter of fact i am yeah it's a good question and i understand asking that question 
And in fact, when I was LDS, and in fact, many people who are, I remember my own brother who passed away used to say, if I left Mormonism, where would I go? What is going to be better than Mormonism? And if you look at it from a church point of view, there are few, but there are some, but there are few churches that can compare when it comes to organization and uh, you know all the youth programs and the lay clergy and all that stuff that kind of make it a very unique place. But the problem is, is um, the body of Christ is made up of believers. It's not a church. You can go to any Christian church today, and if the rapture happened right there, you're going to see many people be taken, but you're going to see some left behind. And you're going to see that in all different churches. And so churches aren't the answer. What is the answer is a personal relationship with you and the Lord. And to be that when you go and you turn your entire will and life over to Him and you commit to just saying, you need to take my sin, please, I beg of you, and I will follow you, and, and all, all the things we've talked about, then the religion is really a secondary role, okay? Mormon is not only then is the wrong church, but it can be any other church then if your show is particular for the Mormons then? Say that one more time. So basically, your, your, your show in general is for any other religions that, that, that have their own organization, not just the Mormon itself then? It, it is in essence, yes, but the reason that I speak most to Mormons is because that's what I know best. Uh, but when we start our show uh, going through the Bible, I'm just talking to people in general there. Just going to be a Bible show. But on this show, it's because I know Mormons best. That's why I talk to them most. But you're right. I would speak to Catholics if I knew Catholicism. I would speak to Jehovah's Witnesses. I will speak to Christians if I'm at a Christian church. And that's the topic about how knowing him is what matters, not the religion that they're part of. Right. So my question is then, if I, I watch a show a couple of weeks and stuff like that, and it sounds like uh, that you particularly talking about how people can be close to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And if, if we are trying to be like Jesus Christ, do you imagine a picture of Jesus Christ be on TV and trying to talk about other religion, or you think Christ-like life should be forgiven and forget about and move on our life? And well, because the Mormon church itself is okay, but the people itself are not perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, it's not that Mormon people are rude and mean and. And they're not perfect, but the church itself is, is perfect. But how you look at people, how you charge people, that's how people get offended. Tavita. For those people out there, just move on and, and don't bother the church because Tavita. it's really good for any, any people in the world. Tavita, let me, let me speak here for a second. I don't have any problem with LDS people. Uh, I don't. I, in fact, I like them. I like many of them, and I like how they think and how they do business and a lot of other things like that. Now, there's some I don't, but I don't have a problem with the people. So when you say the people aren't perfect, but the church is, it's absolutely the opposite of my thoughts. My thoughts are the people are trying pretty darn hard in that religion, but the church stinks doctrinally. And so I talk about doctrine, Tavita, and that's uh, why. So what do you think about other uh, church doctrine compared to the Mormon church? If it's the body of Christ, I, I don't, I, I'm fine. If it's the body of Christ and they have the core essential doctrines that you're saved by grace, that Jesus resurrected on the, and not by anything else, Tavita, and that, you're resurrect, that he resurrected on the third day, and that Jesus was God incarnate, and that Jesus was conceived of a virgin, and that there was no pre-existence for human beings, but only for Jesus in the sense of a mortal being, then I have no problem, Tavita, and that the Word of God is true. 
But the LDS church on every one of those points differs from with what you're saying. And that doctrine smacks ugly compared to the Bible. So that's what I'm talking about. It's not the people. Right, but uh, basically that's what the Mormons believe too, is that they believe in Christ that died for, for everybody's sins anyway. There's a difference between believing in Christ, the devils believe, uh, the Muslims believe in Christ. There's a difference between believing in Christ and knowing that He atoned for sin and having Him as your Savior and being born again. Remember the imperative to Nicodemus was that you must be born again. Tavita, have you been born again? Have I been born again? Well, I was baptized in the Mormon I church when I was eight years old, so I don't think I was reborn again or whatever okay. that means. Whatever that means. Well, when you understand what that means, I doubt you'll call again. All right? So I got to go. We have other callers. I'm upset right now for... Tavita, we have other callers. Because I used to last week you were talking about how we need to... I just hung up on my first caller ever. I had to. I'm sorry. It just got in me. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Tavita... He's probably a huge Samoan. He's going to come kill me after the show. But just, all right, let's go to Jack, first-time caller, Cedar Hills. Jack, you're on Heart of the Matter. Jack. Yes, sir. You got to turn your TV off, buddy. I did. All right, you're on the air. Hey, uh, Sean. Uh, I'm through the channels. Uh, <clears throat> I've been watching you now for approximately 15 minutes. <laughs> I think this is great. I'm getting a kick out of this. <laughs> I'm you glad know, I can I, be a source I, I, of entertainment I, I, I'm for you. I'm an atheist. I'm not going to lie to you. You're an atheist? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's just so refreshing to see another uh, viewpoint here. And uh, uh, I just want to let you know, I think this is just fantastic. The last guy, bless his heart. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know what to say about him, but other than the fact that uh, I sure hope more people listen to you because this is going to be good for him. <laughs> Hey, you and I need to talk off the air uh, just because, you know, you have your thoughts and believe it's going to be a long talk. But I, I really became nihilist in my thoughts at one time, believed in nothing. So I would love to talk to you about your atheism. I think it would be a, a great time. Can you email me? Yeah, I'll email you. And then also, just want to listen a little side note here. Uh, I think you're great. Um, the thing about the prisoners, though, the ex-cons and such, Yeah. just, just remember that uh, in society, there are bad people. Some of them are never going to be you know, repentant or forgiven. Yeah. Just please, let's all remember the victims out there because for oh, every true. criminal out there, there's a dozen victims. Absolutely, you know, and you're right about that. You are so great. I'm, I'll email you. I look forward to talking to more about it. And I just, you know, I just, this is so refreshing, man. You're great, thanks. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, man. Bye-bye. I almost said God bless. Do you say God bless to an atheist? Would that insult him or it, it would insult? Okay. All right, my advisor says it's okay to say God bless to an atheist, so... <laughs> God bless you, brother. All right, we're going to Adrian, first-time caller on line two. Adrian, you're on Heart of the Matter. Adrian? Yeah. I'm, Adriana. I'm, I'm moving away from the television. Good. Move away from that. <laughs> I wanted to um, make a comment in regards to your brother, who's no longer associating with you. Okay. Um, um, whatsoever things are true, honest, just lovely, pure. Um, that of a good, if there be any virtues or praises, that of a good report. Think on these things, and and, and you repent it, and the truth shall make you free. And so you're speaking the truth. And um, if in event your brother went on a mission, I think he's missing the point. 
because you have repented of your sins, you are born again. A born-again person to another born-again person, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So you want to fellowship with things and people that matters to Christ. Yeah. In events, your brother thinks that you are lost. Well, Adriana, I have to... In fact, for the lost. I understand. I, I also know Christians who will have no fellowship with people of different faiths in their own family. And I know that when you talk about religion, those feelings run deep. And we had a relationship built on not only brotherly love, but the church. You know, And I was held in high esteem in his eyes as a member of the church. And I'm not justifying his uh, actions, but I understand them. And he's doing what he thinks is best for his faith and his, with his family. And so uh, I'm just going to continue to love him, and I believe that someday he'll come to know the truth. And, but I appreciate your insights. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. God bless. We're going to Alan, uh, South Jordan. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, I just had a couple of comments. I, I would uh, like to say that it looks, uh, appears like you're uh, overgeneralizing uh, and and stereotyping when you say that uh, Mormons don't like to look at the past. And uh, I'm one of many, many Mormons that uh, I'm aware of that enjoy uh, studying everything about the past and looking at all the issues that are that the uh, uh, critics and antis and fault finders um, uh, pick and poke at. And I, I, uh, I really like to take a close look at all those issues. Uh, and I like to say I'm one of many that uh, like to do this. We don't put our head in the sand. Um, but let me ask you um, uh, about uh, turning blind eye. I've, I've tried to get in touch with you on email. and What's your name? Uh, it's Alan. Alan, okay. You might remember that I've been trying to, uh, to communicate with you, and, and it seems like you don't want to uh, discuss. Uh, why is that? I think you're too smart for me. I think oh, you just well, you. You you. own me, embarrass me on TV or on the emails, and so I'm kidding you. Listen, oh. the reason I don't discuss, Alan, is because um, this, I don't want this to sound wrong, but I, there's a certain amount of discernment that has to come with what I do. And I can tell very quickly in the emails I get, and we get a lot of them, somebody who's searching and somebody who is out to battle with me. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have time to battle with people. Well, uh, Paul the Apostle was okay, battling. But listen, listen, you ask me my why, and I'm giving you the why. I'm not the Apostle Paul. Okay. I'm Sean McCraney, a sinner saved from grace that uh, believes in Jesus Christ completely and pushes Jesus whenever he can. Well, I, was, I am not a scholar. Oh, you I, might I be a better scholar than me, Alan. I can't take the time. I That's was, why. I was comparing myself to Apostle Paul. I was, <laughs> he was battling. He was killing... Uh, uh, the Christians, and then he... Alan, listen, you've made your mind up. You, 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 you've made some very... Uh, you said I made hasty generalizations uh, about your willingness to uh, delve into the scholarship of the church. I think that you are talking about the exception and not the rule, and it's very easy to take exceptions and make a big general premise, but actually the rule is most Mormons don't even know what they believe, let alone their history. And if you go through any certain chapel or stake, you might find one or two who are experts like you in, in the different 
uh, varied doctrines, but very few, my friend, are, are studied. And, and so I'm afraid that you've been proven wrong on the single thing that we've talked about, and I am victorious. I'm just well, kidding. I, I, need, I need somebody to, to show me the light. Yeah, I understand. And I don't believe that was said with sincerity, and that's why I, I avoid your really, calls. Really, I'd like to show you some, too. We could, we could both benefit. I, every, Alan? Every the, week you make some glaring errors. Let me just mention one. Oh, from, uh, uh, no offense. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or, or three or four weeks ago, you mentioned, made some absolute statements about the uh, Levites. Um, and I just wanted to quote uh, Isaiah 66, 21, where it says the Gentiles will all be accepted as... Yeah, what's that in reference to, Alan? If you're, gonna, if you're talking in context, what's that in reference to when the Gentiles will all be, uh, will all, uh, be accepted? What's that in reference to? Tell me. No, you tell me. Uh, I believe I believe it's the latter days when uh, uh, the, the way we're doing it now. It's the Gentile covenant. So what's the big deal? Uh, well, why do you, why do you say that Mormons are doing it wrong? It, the, the, uh, Isaiah did not say that the Aaronic priesthood would be given to all Gentiles. Uh, the the uh, okay. This is why we don't do it. Look at the audience right now is snoring because so you and I can sit here and talk about something I said. Look at just grow up. You, we're, I'm not going to have a dialogue with you well, because I know I know you think you're right. Let's be Christian. Being, this is nothing about being Christian. This has to do with hitting it directly. I'm being direct with you. You're not being direct with me. You, you're saying that you want a dialogue and learn from. You don't. You, I, I've read your intentions, and my intentions of you are correct. You told me to grow up. My intentions of you are correct. I stand by that. Oh. Okay. I'm sorry, you cannot watch the show, you cannot email me any longer, but my intentions of you are correct and we're going to go from there. Listen, Latter-day Saints, you're always welcome to discuss if you want to know the Lord. If you don't feel like your relationship with Him is right, if you haven't been reborn, if you don't have a personal knowledge of your salvation, I will talk to you. I'll stay up with you all night discussing that. But if you want to come to me and think that you're going to sway or show me wrong on this or that or... I'm not going to waste my time. That's not my call. My call is to share Jesus. And that's what I'm trying to do in light of everything else. The reason we're going to go to church history is because in the end, it's going to show you how Jesus is not there and that you can find him through the word and study. Next week, January 9th, Sandra Tanner here on Heart of the Matter. We hope you'll all tune in, tell your friends, and um, tune in with us next week at 8 o'clock to watch a great dialogue. We love you. Thanks for watching, including you, Alan.